Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey listener. Welcome to episode 15 of the Magnificently Huge podcast. This round we're talking about something called a threequel. What the hell is that, you ask? That's a great question. As far as we can tell, a threequel is just a lame marketing term that was manufactured by the Hollywood Industrial Complex. Sort of like prequel, or gluten-free, or make America great again. It's just something that really doesn't require a name. It's the third movie in a series, and it's already the sequel to a sequel, but it's not always the end of a trilogy, so it gets a little tricky. But these are the hopeful continuation of something bigger than all of us, like that Fast and the Furious franchise, or maybe that really long Rocky movie that started way back in 1976 and just seems to have no end. In short, threequel is a totally useless way to brand a movie that may or may not actually deserve another shot at our collective wallets and our shrinking time on this big blue marble we call planet Earth. It's, it's a time suck, basically. Yet, here we are discussing it like the knuckleheads we are. So, join us, won't you? For episode 15 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast, threequel is the magic number. And while you're out there, send us your emails to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. I mean, we know you're there. We can see you listening. We just want to hear from you. Unless you validate us, we are but worms on this interweb. Worms. And we're so lowly. And we need your love. Uh, so head over to Facebook. Like us at Magnificently Huge. Uh, like our, our posts. Comment on our posts. I mean, just anything. Follow us on the Twitter at MagHuge. You know? Share us. Follow us. Like us. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Give us five stars. Tell us how you're alive and, and enjoying our antics. Uh, or not enjoying our antics. I mean, just something, anything. Uh, right now, this is like farting in the wind, uh, which is kind of, well, not what we want to do. So tell your friends, tell your postal carrier, tell your family, tell that little old lady in front of you at the supermarket, paying by check. We want Magnusly Huge to flourish, and we can only do it through support of viewers like you. Won't you please give... Awesome, thank you, we appreciate that. You're the best audience ever, and we mean that. Really. We do. On with episode 15. Enjoy the show. Threequel is the magic number. How's everybody today? Tired. Hot. Tired and hot? Yeah, it's Arizona-like here in uh, Oregon. I've been doing yard work. Yard work. I'm, uh, I'm watching an epic biblical flood occur. Uh, oh yeah how's how's your how's your yard i don't have a yard that's the beauty of it oh so yeah i can just watch it rain all day which hurricane is this this is hurricane harvey it's the the six foot (laughs) invisible rabbit of hurricanes (laughs) and uh it's pretty wet so yeah there's the pleasantries but uh hello everyone i'm chris i'm brian i am still eric and this week uh is episode 15 threequel is the magic number and we'll get to that after some fresh shit. This shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. 
<laughs> that that thing is awesome. It gets awesomer yeah. every time I hear it. It's so it, it's very morning radio. I like it. Yeah, it is the morning zoo. Hey, we're coming at you. <laughs> so, uh, who has anything to share? One of you two, go. Um, I've I've only got a couple things because uh, honestly, I haven't been watching or doing a whole lot this week except yard um, work. Except yard work and working on the podcast. Um, and you know my actual job. No, um, okay, a couple TV shows this time. Uh, the first one is I watched, I only started watching it, but it's the Defiant Ones on HBO. This is basically the Talking Head documentary version of the movie Straight Outta Compton. Oh, okay. So it's about, um, uh, oh, for God's sakes, the, the Interscope guy whose name I suddenly can't remember for the life of me. Is he played and by Ice Dr. Cube's Dre. son in the movie? He's played by himself. That's the thing. Okay. It's, it's uh, God damn it! What's the fucking guy's name? It'll it'll come I, to you. I don't oh, know. Son of a bitch. Anyway, to the Google. Uh, the, you keep going. I'll find the it Interscope for you. Records guy and and Dr. Dre, and it's it's talking about um, really both of their careers in parallel right now. So um, you know, it talks about Dre's early early days as a DJ, and it talks about. Oh, whatever the fuck his name is, his early work. He, he in, were you really watching this, or were you just doing something else while it was on? Yeah, I watched it like a week ago, though, so I had it in, on the tip of my tongue until like we started recording, and then my brain just turned to goo. Is it Jimmy Iovini? Uh, yes, thank you, Jimmy Iovine. It's fun watching his stuff, because I have a, a history as a recording engineer, and he engineered the Born to Run album was the first one he engineered. Is that the one by Bruce Sprungspring? Uh, yes, it is okay. the one by Bruce Sprungspring. Or Sprung, Sprung, whatever Spring. the hell you said. Sprungspring. Um, Steinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Steinfeld. There's an interesting there's an interesting anecdote in the in the first episode where um I guess uh Patty Smith's first uh big single was actually written by Springsteen and Iovine convinced Springsteen it didn't fit on the album so he could give it to her just which was very record industry So there was that and then um, I watched the the series Face Off on the Sci-Fi Channel. Have you ever seen this? I've seen of it, yeah, but not. I haven't actually watched it. No, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, so it's basically Survivor for special effects, makeup people, or or any of those cooking shows or fashion shows, Project Runway. Yeah, yeah, basically judging creativity. Yeah, but whenever I see it blank going through the uh, the dial and it shows Face Off, I always think it's the Travolta john woo thing yeah and i click over and then i go oh and then i move on me too and i always tune in <laughs> i'm gonna take his face off lips off eyes off it's all coming off i'd like to take his, his face <laughs> off. it's hosted by michael westmore's daughter michael westmore is the guy who did the makeup for star trek the next generation but they have a spinoff now and it's called game face and that just premiered this week and it's basically chopped for um, special effects makeup technicians, which means that they only have, like, two hours to do a complete character, and they're, like, scrapping to just come up with something, anything. 
So what is that like Iron Chef? It's like they unveil the table and it's like you have two hours to make a mask out of these bananas. Pretty much. I okay. mean, they don't they don't have mystery ingredients, but all of the appliances are pre-made, so they have to kind of just work with what they can find. Um, but but yeah, it's very much like Iron Chef or Chopped, where it's like an elimination show and there's a winner at, e- at the end of each show instead of. Uh, a whole season. Last weekend, I caught a show that was like that, but it was about making knives and swords. Oh, I've seen that and too. Yeah, yeah. It was the same shit. And, and what's so funny is how, if you say to yourself, you know what, they're talking about dicks, you can hear everything they're saying. Well, that's quite a shaft. That's long and hard. And it's really, <laughs> you think I'm making a cheap joke, but watch it and you'll see it's a very uh, cheap joke. So now I need to give have Chris give a monotone reading of euphemisms for dicks. Yeah, or we could just insert the uh, the laugh track and be done with it. I think that'll be a yeah. new thing for us. Every week we get a laugh track. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so just those two, that's all you have that's Yeah, fresh? that's all I got. I, I'm out of fresh shit. Okay. What about you, Eric? Are you still reading uh, Burr? No, I'm done with that. But I, I watched a documentary called Zero Days, which is about a, um, this is really awesome, actually, a virus that hit the internets in 2010 that... Uh, all the virus software companies, they caught it and they were analyzing it. And they're like, holy shit, this is the most awful thing we've ever seen. It, it's like this massive worm. And they found that it was attacking all sorts of places around the world, but it was primarily attacking Iran. Hmm. And they found that it would only initiate if it hit a specific kind of terminal switch that basically it was made to shut down their nuclear reactor program. And oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. And uh, Israel and the United States, the NSA, yeah, the, nobody is taking credit for it. They're all like, uh, we didn't do it. And if we did do it, we wouldn't tell you we did it. So <laughs> fuck off. And it's it's really <laughs> it's like I'm watching this going, oh, holy shit, we're we're up to some bad stuff. What? And then they start talking about the Iranian nuclear program. And we go, oh, holy shit, we're up to some very good stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank God we're doing this shit. Are you kidding? That sounds like a sequel to Team America or something. Only with computers. And what was this called again? Uh, zero Days. Okay. There's a great shot in there where they show the doorway into the computer lab at the uh, U.S. Cyber Command. And... Um, it, 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 U.S. Cyber Command. This is a live fire range, and bo- you know, inside is just a bunch of guys on computers. <laughs> <laughs> the, you bringing this up reminds me that there's actually a public service announcement I'd like to make here. This is serious. If you've been using two-factor authentication for your, especially for your Gmail or or whatever email no. account you're using, which no by way. the way you should totally be doing, but if no. if you're using two-factor <laughs> authentication. <laughs> If you're using it that uses a text message, you are probably actually worse off than not using it. You have to use an app. And the reason is that hackers have figured out that they can call up a gullible customer service rep at your cell phone company, get your phone switched over to their SIM card, and then they start saying, oh, I forgot all your passwords. And if they can get the email account which you're using for like all of your other services, then they can start verifying things with that email address and you're pantsed. So if you have an SMS, two-factor authentication hooked up to your Gmail or really anything, kill that fucking thing and switch it over to an app, like LastPass or Google has an app for authentication, and delete any phone numbers from those email accounts because you don't want to be able to be able to reset your password with a text message. Also, you can call your cell provider, set a PIN with your cell phone provider, 
um, so that people can't just switch your phone without knowing your PIN number. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. I'd like to also give a public service announcement. If you're going to masturbate, do not try and choke yourself <laughs> with a piece of rope or a belt. Why not? Because you could pass out. Oh, God You could pass it. out. And then and then you'll, you'll strangulate yourself like the NXS guy. And the more you learn, the more you know. And I'm just amused that either of you is giving a public service announcement on a podcast that only the three of us listen to. <laughs> well, mine was mine was being douchey. Mine yeah. was mine was yes, but facetious. So, but thank you, thank you for that, Brian. I'm going to go look into that stuff now. Actually, so yeah, sorry, it's uh, depressing. I hate the, the internet. I hate humanity, and uh, well, this is just another is, reason why I'm reminded that I hate humanity. This is the podcast for you, then. Uh, mm, but yes. to uplift your spirits. <laughs> For my fresh shiznit, uh, I found on Amazon the new series for The Tick is finally out. The first six oh, episodes. How is? It's good. It's not as goofy as the last incarnation with Warburton, and it's certainly not as goofy as the cartoon, uh, but it is still very good. Yeah, I never really moved beyond the cartoon. The The Warburton epi- series is... Uh, it's funny, but it's just goofy. They they really play. I, I, I liked the Warburton one. I really liked the comic, though. Hey, you guys are ninjas. <laughs> I hate yeah. ninjas. <laughs> but this one, they they actually do uh, a story arc through all six episodes, and so Arthur is a much more fully realized character, and the Tick basically turns out to be an actual superhero, but he's got some sort of brain trauma, which is why he's such an idiot. Isn't there something like Arthur has either PTSD or an addiction or something? in this? Yeah, well, the the whole thing that it starts, you find out that the main baddie, who's played by Jackie Earl Haley, which is also a good choice, he always plays a good bad guy, is called the Terror. And I can't remember if the Terror was in the cartoon or what, but he's the big bad, and he's been laying low for a while, but this kid basically uh, saw his dad killed by one of the things that the, the Terror did, and so he's got this, like, really fucked up childhood and he's yeah on meds and whatnot and so this is how he meets the tick because he's trying to find the terror and they've got this whole story arc but it's actually really sweet at times really funny and much more fully realized than any of the the previous tick stuff it's kind of weird at times but good so i would recommend it my favorite tick gag was always that in the cartoon show the moon had the letter C H A. Chairface Chippendale. Chairface Chippendale. Chairface didn't quite finish carving his name into the moon. Yeah, there's that one. And they and kept then, it there. Yeah, through the rest of the series. And then the other one with uh, the crazy midnight bomber, what bombs at midnight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 60 seconds to midnight. 60 seconds to nowhere, baby. You have all become victims of the evil midnight bomber, what bombs? Hey! Attention! <laughs> and it was the, and it was the, all of the sidekicks had to hang out in the sidekick lounge, and they were all really pissed off because they were sidekicks. <laughs> it was a good one. That was good. So yeah, the tick. Ask for it by name. Yeah, right. All right. That was fresh. That was fresh. Now we can get on to the the show. But first. I think we need to give our first shout out to someone who left a comment oh, for us. Oh yeah! Oh boy! Uh, we'll just someone left a comment finally yeah. on our was it iTunes, Brian? You're the one that found it. Yeah, it's an iTunes review. Okay, uh, by somebody named Taken Tyken, some username. He'll know who he is. 
But he called us ni- <laughs> crazy kids and their crazy <laughs> online games. He called us nihilism in a one-hour bottle in a good way. And uh, I'll take I thought, that. I thought that was sweet. And then I had to look up nihilism, and then I kind of got angry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which proves you're not a nihilist. Because if, if, if it was, you'd just go, eh, whatever. We are, we are nihilist, Lebowski. So a thank you to uh, that fella for his Take kind in. words taken <laughs> he wins a no prize he has a very special set of skills which leads us into our our episode because taken is actually a movie that uh, could fit into this but this week we're doing all about threequels which is uh, a marketing term devised by weird hollywood elites to describe a third movie in a franchise or series of films so it's the sequel to the sequel. Because trilogies tend to sell better once they go on, well, yeah. used to, on home video. If you could sell it as a trilogy, yeah. then, yeah, you could say, you basically, if you had one movie that was good, you could float two more movies on its back. Exactly. I think it has to be because of Star Wars that that is, a, that is even a thing. Like, did anybody give a shit about trilogies before Star Wars? No. Otherwise, they would have made a Godfather 3 a lot earlier. <laughs> so you have threequel, which we'll be discussing today, and we're specifically doing threequels that have the number three in the title, just to winnow it down a little bit. And there are still a considerable number of these, which is weird when I looked them up. So there's prequel, which is the sequel that actually takes place before the film that it comes after. Those are goofy. Which is, I, 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 I want to say, okay, public service announcement. Prequel <laughs> is not a real word. <laughs> Prequel is a shitty, uh, just, I, I hate prequel. It, it's a sequel that takes place sequentially before the original story, but it's still a sequel. It's not a prequel. And it's also robbed of all of the stakes because you know yeah. who lives. But then does that make a continuing sequel a postquel? No. No, no, no it it's not. a threequel at that point, which is another useless marketing term. What is The Godfather Part 2 then in that it is both See? a prequel and it's a, sequel. a sequel? Yeah, it's just a sequel. It's just a sequel. It's just a sequel. There's no prequel. Prequel doesn't exist. Non-word. <laughs> hate, hate, hate. I tried to find the first instance of a threequel, as we're calling it, uh, and I could not. I just honestly could not remember the first time I saw a movie with three in the title, and they kind of called it a day and went on. Uh, mm. It's really hard to find. Mm. You can look. You can find I Jaws. I would say Jaws. I was wasn't there a, like a three before mm. Jaws? Because Jaws 3D came out in like 1983. I mean, there were plenty of franchises that went yeah, Planet of the longer Apes. than three episodes. Yeah, James Bond. But, but to um, actually have the three yeah. in there, I remember seeing Jaws 3, 3D, and going, three? You know, like, like that's that's when the concept first appeared. So, yeah. So, it's definitely sometime in the 80s, I'm going to say, mm. with uh, certainty. Well, Jaws 3D was around the time of Empire Strikes Back, wasn't it? Empire came out in 80... Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Return of the Jedi, I meant, which was 83. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was around 82, 83. Uh, so early eighties, you probably start seeing them, but I couldn't pinpoint the specific one that was ground zero for threequel with the three in the title. But you know, also I think Star Trek three came out in 84. I also don't remember there being a whole lot of sequel movies with numbers in them then. So probably early mid eighties, it's gotta be when, when everything this makes me turned into just a uh, sausage factory for content (laughs) rather than actually good movies. This makes me think we need to do a show on surf to the end of the trilogy starring Eddie Deason. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And now for a more serious approach to one of the major issues of the day. It's the end of the trilogy. Surf 2. And I thought about that when I looked it up. Because Troma is genius. 
uh, all into itself. An Eric Stoltz classic. Yeah. We're going to do a standalone s- movie, but pretend it's a sequel and then call it the end of a trilogy. I thought that's everything wrapped into one. Genius. Genius. So, Surf 2, the end of a trilogy, ask for it by name. Because they couldn't get theaters to <laughs> promote a movie called We Don't Give yeah, a Fuck. I think that was basically. the best title. <laughs> I love that I can mention Surf 2, the end of the trilogy, and both of you have seen this movie <laughs> well, and know what I'm talking about. Who hasn't? Seriously. Come on. But the other thing with requels, too, it's I, I find them kind of ballsy to an extent because it's basically you've had the first movie come out and they made some sort of ripple. And then the makers come out with a, a sequel, which in my mind, sequels are typically cash grabs above all else. And these people tend to lazily slap the number two on it just so they can keep the branding. And then the sequel tends to make money if it's reasonably good on any level based on sequel as the rules go. And picking kind of a nit, typically these sequels aren't even really sequels either. They're serials. They're discontinuing stories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. It's like the Star Wars trilogy is a series because it's one ongoing story. Well, I'm referring specifically to the, the two titles. Like Back to the Future 2 or, you know, mm-hmm. Star Trek 2. Um, Back to the Future was technically a part 2, which indicates serial or series. When you slap the number 2 on it, and then what do you do? So then the producers think, okay, well, we, we really got this cash cow rolling, so hey, let's make a number 3. And we'll just throw 3 on the title because everybody knows it and we don't have to really do anything with marketing. And that's when you kind of see the interesting, like Die Hard decided, well, we tried Die Hard 2, Die Harder, and that was dumb. So let's call it something else, like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, that's snappy. Or even harder. Yeah, die. Really, really harder. Yeah, die even harder than you had died before. Die already. <laughs> Chris, so I want to I wanna fact check me on this, but my recollection was that like when we were reading Premiere in the early 90s or whatever, that the studio logic was that a sequel would make roughly 80% of the take of the first one and that they would just kind of taper off until you maybe got to the just the straight-to-video market. Nowadays, it's totally inverted, and, and people are expecting sequels to outperform the originals. Am I misremembering that? I honestly don't know what the rubric is for it. I just know that typically when they do a sequel, you spend a little bit more, and I think some of that is just related to the payroll of the actors because they're like, oh, well, hey... We're on a thing now, so I get more money. I remember reading that about sequels, like earning that, like like they had worked out a matrix of how much less the successive sequels would earn. And I remember that because when Lethal Weapon 2 came out, we'll be talking about Lethal Weapon later, of course, but that one blew the doors off of the original. And so they thought they had a cash cow Mm. that would last forever. But it was this very specific breaking of the formula that a sequel did better than 80%. Which is a fair point. I'm glad you brought that up because with threequels, that's sort of where they get interesting to me because that's typically the make or break. And there are several different directions that you can Mm. take these things. It's kind of an interesting time in a movie franchise's life because it's either going to be the one that sinks it because everybody's going to be like, oh, fuck you. Or it's not going to quite sink it. It's going to help it limp along, but it's definitely going to be the writings on the wall. Or it's going to be, hey, let's just do something completely balls out, strange and different and just see what happens. I mean, what the hell? Uh, there's also one that I call the unicorn, which is the rare threequel that actually gets it right and doubt does the original. But I call it a unicorn because that doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, I can think of one. Toy Story 3 almost came to mind for that, but it's not. No. 
So nah, that one. What is it, Brian? To me, Toy Story Two was more like what what that was. True, true. The only one that I could come up with for fact uh, that was out better than the original was a uh, Weekend at Bernie's Three. There was a Weekend at Bernie's Three. <laughs> no, but in my mind, it's built up as the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's Three. Sting Carter. <laughs> yeah. Did no one smell the rotting corpse in Weekend at Bernie's 2? I mean, how fresh was that body? Odor is never called out in movies. I've always saying that in anything that takes place in New York, you never have characters walking down the sidewalk and they're talking and then one of them goes, oh, holy shit, what is yeah. that? You know, because that's what New York is Because like. New York smells like boiling urine everywhere you go. So. <laughs> you, you need that, yeah. that clip from Kentucky Fried Movies. Like, Jesus Christ, Christ did a cow shit in here? Cow shit in here? <laughs> now it smells like fish and roses <laughs> i'm surprised yeah. more law and orders don't start that way you know with like the two working class guys doing their working class jobs so what did you do last night oh my wife yelled at me oh the you two again hey what's that smell fuck shit christ that's a dead body ah uh, yeah it's tricky it's tricky unless you're in, you're presenting your movie in smell a vision you kind of don't want to draw attention to it <laughs> But uh, but just examples of, of threequels just to kind of set the, the geography of our topic. So there's things like Star Trek 3 colon The Search for Spock. So that's one where they actually tag on the extras. Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan. I mean, they were... Star Trek 1, the motion picture. They really liked those colons. The motion picture, that's really kind of a dumb thing because it's obviously it's a motion picture. So thank you. It's like Garfield. <laughs> yeah, the Garfield movie. the movie. So those ca- shag the rug. <laughs> That's exactly. That was probably the best review ever from the uh, the Phoenix Chronicle or whatever it was. Uh, but then there's all the ones just like Rambo three, Taken three, Men in Black three, Rocky three, Iron Man three, Alien three. I mean, it's just oh, uh, we're really too tired to actually write anything, so we're just gonna give you the original title and just put three on it instead according to typography that was actually alien cube yeah which is you know even more than aliens and the uh, alien series the alien series is really an exception because every single one of those movies was a complete departure from the last one yeah i kind of dug that so do those actually get to be called sequels yeah they are sequels of a sort it's almost an anthology yeah well when they stopped using ripley i think it stopped being the alien that we know and then it became yeah. sort of anthologized. That's when they started using that horse shit about it has the same DNA. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. tired of hearing how films have the same uh, DNA. I'd like a show of hands. Who? That's like saying from the people who brought you. <laughs> who actually saw the, the last Alien, Alien Covenant? Anybody? I did not. I did not. I did not either. I was not going to touch that one. Without- I saw Prometheus and I did not need to see <laughs> yeah. Alien Covenant. Yeah. yeah. So, Agreed. So those are some examples. And going through, it's, it was not very hard to find movies that just slapped a three on that were pretty much just retreads. I mean, that's pretty much what they're dealing with. I'm is. just thinking right now, it's, it's actually probably more difficult to think of those unfortunate few that had a part two, but not a part three because shit went downhill so fast. Well, and that's the thing is usually the first sequel is pretty much the testing ground. So if people come out to your movie, and we'll mm. get to your your selection, Brian. You're doing Nightmare on Elm Street three colon Dream Warriors. I am. That's an interesting one because it's basically get the sequel out in a hurry to kind of cash in, and then it's not received well critically, 
and then you kind of have to do what I call a course correction. So that's sort of the the other example. So you've got the tired lazy cash grab, the franchise course correction, and then you've got the weird experiment that basically just throws out everything from the previous ones and just gets weird. Jaws 3D is one of those latter ones. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch is definitely one of those. Which is the one I'm doing today, because we're all going to address specific ones. So I think it worked out very nicely that each of us has chosen a movie that fits one of these particular criteria. So which one are we doing first? Uh, I want to spin the wheel, and we'll see who gets to go. Ooh. We have a oh, wheel. Yeah. yeah. Here it comes. Big bucks, no whammies. Ah, uh, looks like Eric gets to go first. The lazy and tired cash grab. Oh, no. what is your movie today, Eric? Yes. What will you be discussing? Lethal Weapon Trois. Ah, <laughs> Lethal Weapon Trey. I gotta say, I loved Lethal Weapon Two. Okay. Yes, you did, and we've told this story before. Yes. Diplomatic community. But that was a great movie, and it had gr- it moved great. It was tight for for an eighties action movie. It was better thought out than most. It had spectacle, and I didn't even see the first one until years later. Really? Yeah, and I thought it was a little, you know, slow. I did not care for the first one. I do think Lethal Weapon 2 is an improvement over the first one, frankly, and that's a rarity. So I'm glad that you're you're choosing Lethal Weapon 3 because that one assuredly is a step backward. Well, it's funny. Richard Donner, he made Superman, and at the time he was shooting Superman 2 at the same time, and he had this whole vision of how he could create an ongoing Superman series, not unlike what they're trying to do now, but he could he could do this and they would just come out every other year. He has a love for the sequel <laughs> that was unrequited. <laughs> By the time he gets to Lethal Weapon. He's still trying to get Goonies 2 underway. Please, no. He makes the Lethal Weapon 2. It it does better than Lethal Weapon 1. And at that point, I think he says, okay, I've got the formula. I've got the magic sauce. He puts everything on the banter between Danny Glover and uh, Mel Gibson and nothing into the story. This third movie is about a cop who steals guns from lockup in the police department and then sells them so that I guess he can make a housing development or something. It's not too well established. (laughs) It's really kind of slap slap shod. And I timed it out and it's a two hour movie, 30 minutes of which has to do with this crime. The rest of it is like (laughs) wackiness. Uh, Here, wait, I, 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 okay, here's my list. Okay. Give it to us. Give it to us. Okay. The, the prime mover after the actual plot is uh Roger's retirement. I got I got 8 days He's left. Really really too old yeah. for this show. Yeah, yeah there they, it's now a plot point. Because it starts out, he's like, I only got eight days left to retirement. And as Roger Ebert is always fond to point out, anytime a character says something like that, you know bad shit is going to happen to him. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, but consider, the, well, I, I, from the other standpoint, I would say, if he says, okay, I got six days to retirement, and no bad shit happens, you're in the wrong movie. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, I mean, too, is they, they keep counting off. Oh, they got three yeah. days left to retirement. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, could this thing just end? End. There are so many scenes relating to Roger and his retirement that have nothing to do with the movement of anything. And you're like, what What? what happened? I think these wah, are wah, like wah. pages of a draft that somebody didn't remember to pull out. As I saw it described at one point, because I, I can't remember the other screener, but one of them is Jeffrey Bohm, who also wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So he's got mm-hmm. chops. He knows how to do a sequel. 
but someone had described it as like basically the way this is written it just could be the two screenwriters just sitting around talking about it over a couple of beers i don't believe for a second this was one voice this is a, this is 14 <laughs> yeah. different people who yeah. submitted 14 <laughs> yeah. different ideas and they liked a little bit of all of them and the original lethal weapon is like the ur text of shane black joel silver movies right right this is very much a shane black series until this movie right to my knowledge exactly yeah. and and you need him you need him for this and he's not on this uh, at because all because he will keep it tight and he will make it funny and interesting without deviating from a main story but you know what we started with a list and so that's one uh roger's retirement uh the other one is <laughs> his kid uh and gang trouble and there is a <laughs> yeah. woeful scene uh, where they, it's a gag over the use of the word word, which now as Gen Xers in middle age, we use ironically, but at the time it was, you know, street lingo. Hey, hey Nick. Hey, Dad. You good? Word. Hey, hey, word, Nick. Word. Word, Riggs. Word, Roger. What are we talking about? Word. Four letters, starts with W, or in the middle, D in the end. Word. What do you mean? Oh, word? yeah, that word. Yeah, he's confused by it. So there's the cop who's a criminal. That's that they keep talking about. Oh, cops, dirty cops. What's with these dirty cops? They have a whole through line of no smoking because Riggs keeps trying to smoke and don't smoke, man. It's going to kill you. And there's no smoking signs everywhere. The woman has in her home has a no smoking sign on the mantle over her fireplace. (laughs) They're fucking everywhere. And I like that they make him eat an onion. They make him eat an onion every time he wants to smoke. There was only one. They actually gave him dog biscuits. He, he was eating dog biscuits every day. And then when he tried yeah. to smoke later, he said, I've got a really bad dog biscuit habit I'm trying to kit. Yeah, because he's yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. In the police locker room, they, they pan from right to left, and there is a sticker on the side of the locker. Fur is dead. <laughs> what? Are cops, like, wearing too much fur, and they need to be told, you know what? Fur is not, it's not right. To, it's like there are all these weird sort of lefty, uh, uh, just... Just, just in there for no reason statements that somebody said, thought was a good idea. The girl, oh, oh, his teenage daughter and his teenage son are in the background doing homework, and she's wearing a sweatshirt that says pro-choice. <laughs> this is Danny Glover at work, isn't it? Uh, what? Uh, who, what? Danny Glover's a pretty big political activist on the left these oh. days, so I wonder if this is his doing. Actor, Danny. activist, Danny Glover? Yeah. I, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Then there's the evil of guns, which is really funny. I mean, if you want to get meta, <laughs> yeah. we're, it, the movie's called Lethal Weapon for fuck's sake. And these guns <laughs> on the street, only us psychotics should have them. Only us crazy uh, cops who don't care about living anymore should be allowed to fire these guns. But these kids with their guns. Well, I like that they, they have the, the, the dumb dumb bullets or whatever that they call cop killers. Because yeah. they can pierce the the armor, and that becomes yeah. a big big plot point. Yeah. And so uh, somehow Riggs, and we're not spoiling anything for anybody, for fuck's sake. You're not but, watching this. Don't fucking but, watch this. <laughs> but but at the end, the bad guys driving a bulldozer because they're on a construction site. And I'll, I'll I'll ask again, what is it with Lethal Weapon and action scenes in construction zones? Because it's in every single one, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But the guys in the bulldozer and easier Rig- to blow them up. Yeah. Oh. And Riggs like gets the gun with the dum dum piercers or whatever, and it goes through the the basket 
and kills yeah. the guy dead. But just just prior to that, Rene Russo's character gets shot, but she doesn't die because she's wearing two vests, actually. So two vests are stronger than a bulldozer. They weren't yeah. using the cop killer bullets. It was him with that you know cheesy nine millimeter with the silencer. But here's the thing with, with cop killers. They wouldn't go through iron like that. The only reason they work is they're Teflon coated. Yeah. They superheat the, uh, uh, the vest and that allows the bullet to go through. Yeah. Also, if you shot somebody without a vest, they would probably live because it would just, unless you hit a major organ, it would just go in and out. There's nothing expanding. So he keeps shooting people with these cop killers who aren't wearing vests and they die just as well. Yeah. I don't know. As somebody who, as somebody who likes to kill people with firearms, I did not find it realistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got excited when I saw a clip from this movie and, and they shot one of those bullets through a drum and killed a cop. And for a minute there, I thought it was Val Kilmer. And I'm like, yes, no. more Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, it's not. That poor guy, was he's dead meat. Basically, he's the 22-year-old rookie that keeps wanting to tack along, and they tell him to be safe and be safe, and then the fucking kid gets killed at the the big shootout, and then yeah. Riggs has, like, one throwaway line, like, kids. You know, like, why did it have to be kids? And then he's totally forgotten. They never mention him again. It's like, you fucking yeah. dick. That's the thing, is Riggs in this one, it basically, he's not crazy. He's just a fucking dick to everybody. You watch this movie and you realize how right uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia got it when they made their Lethal Weapons sequel. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. like, it's spot on. It's just them doing banter uh, yeah. followed by some some bad fights or violence. Yeah. It opens with a building blowing up. Now, this is For an no interesting reason. story. The reason is not, not story related. Basically, in Florida, they were going to demo this uh, old apartment building. And Joel Silver was like... We could open with that because that's like a free, you know, a technical of something blowing up. So they write in this whole thing with a bomb and they go and they try to disarm it and they fuck it up and they go running out of the building. The The building blows up. It happens at night and there's a lot of smoke because it's an actual building demo. And so it isn't quite as spectacular as you would think. But his thinking was, well, it's cheap. Well, that and the <laughs> the uh, construction site at the end of the movie that's actually that was actually an abandoned construction site mm. that they wrangled so that they could just destroy everything. Oh, that's the final uh, um, note of uh, I, what? What are we calling it? social consciousness attempts in this? Sure. He, Riggs gets the the garden hose. He opens up the gas tank. He sticks the tube <laughs> in the gas, around, and he yeah. starts siphoning the gas so that he can drive it around and set everything on fire. He siphons the gas, spits it out, and goes, "Yeah." Exxon, because <laughs> exactly. of the Valdez, it's like, yeah, we got to shit on them too. Wah, wah. It's like, no, I figure this is just trying to say that Riggs can, you know, he's got like a palate, right? He can determine where the gas is from. Yeah, based it's, it's on got a very yeah. decent bouquet. Well, even more improbably, out of everything, is the fact that Rene Russo's character is the love interest, and then they they meet cute by comparing Trading scars and whatnot. Scars. Yeah. So here's the thing that kills me about that is that this jackass manages to find the one woman in the entire fucking universe who loves the Three Stooges. How does that work? Because the script? Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't exist. I have so much apathy about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is basically uh, a, a solid example of where it just started to turn sour and fatigue set in. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple notes here. Um, there's always some sort of wacky comedy with the way they fuck with each other. It's not exactly funny. No. Uh, I think they're stealing part of the Indiana Jones breaking into the truck sequence from Raiders of the Lost Ark with the, 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 the armored truck, and, but with a sassy black woman chasing after them in another armored car. Oh, okay. 
that that whole chase scene makes no sense uh, for for two two reasons. One, what's the point of the second truck? They are in. They have no purpose in the entire chase except for a contrivance where he gets kicked out of the one truck yeah. and onto them. And otherwise, it's, they have no bearing on the chase. None. What do you mean? You've got Murtaugh and the sassy chick in the other truck. They right. do nothing. Oh, they, yeah. They serve no. no function. And then once Riggs gets behind the wheel, does he? Why doesn't it occur to him to hit the brake pedal? He did. Like, <laughs> he did. But yeah, after but, like, but the guy shoots through the chase. The guy shoots through the glass of the armored truck that is presumably yeah. bulletproof, but yet the boy flies yeah. right through. Yeah, he shoots the windshield. Nothing. He hits mm. the brakes pretty hard, and his whole body goes. <laughs> like the guy would just should just go thunk. <laughs> Like, his head is coated like with, a, the- with a thing that can yeah. expand the windshield and yeah, he's teflon coated hair yeah. yeah yeah and then uh and then also lastly uh a criminal underuse or is it of uh joe pesci as leo gets from no Lethal no no that, that it was he was underused just enough he probably could have been used less <laughs> this is what i would get is all of these things have problems and i read somewhere that carrie fisher was a script doctor on this thing I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably all the funny things that we laughed at, all four. It's not exactly over, because uh, also I got to say, every 30 seconds, saxophone music plays. Mm-hmm. Every, it's like, yeah. wah, 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 wah. Well, I won't, like, even, uh, I won't even get into the, the an theme song. An shitty Sting soundtrack lead-in song. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say it, my head to say it, it's probably me. And finally, when they get busted down to being uniform cops, it's hard to feel bad for Riggs because I know now that he hates Jews. <laughs> well, on that note. Yeah. And with that, I wrap up Lethal Weapon 3. Thank you. I, I think the, yeah, the, they thought they had a formula, but they forgot to write a story. And stuff went boom. It's like fried chicken that's all breading and no chicken. Well, thank you for bringing it up so that I could watch it again and remember how much I didn't care yeah. the first time. So I guess we're agreed. This this one adds nothing new, and it's just a watered-down rehashing, and it's tired and didn't need yeah. to be made. And probably it should have been watched by the people who wanted to make the Lethal Weapon TV show so they could realize <laughs> why they should not. Which leads us into Brian's choice. Tell us what your choice is, Brian. Oh, we're not going to spin the wheel? I want to get in the showcase showdown. Tick, no. Tick, 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 tick. All right, we'll spin the wheel, but it's still going to be you. Tick, 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 Hey, look, it's Brian. Tell us what you've chosen, Brian. So, okay, my last name is Kruger, so there's a familial obligation. And I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny. Uh, so yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 colon The Dream Warriors with its amazing theme song by Dawkins. Oh God, I remember that song. Rockin' with Dawkins, you can't beat Rockin it. with Dawkins, baby. So this one falls in under the category, I would say, of it's a franchise course correction. I think that this may be the definitive Nightmare on Elm Street movie, as much as the first movie is, I would argue, the best of them. Yeah. And I would potentially say that Wes Craven's new Nightmare is the second best of them. 
this one is the one that really cemented the template yeah. for everything that would go wrong with it in the future. If you think of Freddy Krueger... This is it. At his prime, yeah. this is it. This is the movie that really sets it all yeah. up. Well, this one essentially was, was made by New Line to kind of reset because the second one came out and it really didn't have anything to do with what was going on in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. The second one made... Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, it was, what, Freddy trying to take over one kid to kill everybody? Well, suddenly Freddy is possessing somebody as opposed to being the nightmare demon. And there's a lot of weird homoerotic subtext that may or may not have been intentional. Uh, It's just very weird. So, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, they build this super team to go into Dreamland and kill Freddy. Wes Craven came up with the seed of the idea. He didn't actually uh, write the script. In fact, uh, Frank Darabont, was one of the writers of the script of this movie. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of uh, people who had bigger careers. Uh, Larry Fishburne is credited in this film. <laughs> and he's in it uh, a lot. Before he was Lawrence. Uh, Patricia Arquette is our lead final girl. And I noticed the music was done by Ag- Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah, yeah, Badalamenti. He did a lot of... He did Cat's Eyes music, yeah. too. Um, and... Uh, a line producer on this movie was Rachel Talloway, who actually directed Freddy's Dead and is now the person who they go to every season to direct the two-part season finales of Doctor Who. So, uh, yeah. this person who got some work. Yeah. But but the thing is, this is an actual... Okay, is it an actual sequel or is it a serial? Uh, we have Nancy back from the first movie, and we have her dad back from the first movie. Mm-hmm. But their story is actually continuing... They're not retconning the first movie. See, I would call it a sequel, just because they're following some relative continuity. Yeah, and she's a character who actually, like, has... And and this is a horror movie. We have a character who remembers what happened before and doesn't conveniently forget and tries to use their experience to, you know, to her advantage. But the hook, the conceit was that this new character, Kristen, has the ability to pull other people into her dreams... And in so doing, allows them to create the the Nightmare Avengers. Yeah. It's basically what I like to call Inception on Elm Street. God damn it, you stole my joke. <laughs> I, was, I had that thing in the chamber, I had the hammer back, and then you jumped on it. Great. Yeah. I knew you were going to try it, so fuck <laughs> off. The other thing that they do so much better in this film than the previous ones is they really go for the dream logic. This is yeah. where Freddy becomes... A quipster, first of all. He has yeah. lots, all, lots of quips. And that's, he gets a lot of that. James Bond level quips. Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. <laughs> I said, where's the fucking vermin? <laughs> this is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the prime time, bitch. Bitch. This is our uh, Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and and the deaths god i've got to get that on my phone i've got to get that like as an app and no it makes me think of a uh, bitch hunter from uh, 30 rock <laughs> take yeah. that bitch yeah and of course the the guy from uh rick and morty that was the yeah. Freddy character what was he called Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Yeah. Aw, bitch. Bitch, 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 bitch. <laughs> it's always good. But yeah, this is the one where they start getting creative with the kills, and there's some really like gruesome ones, like where one guy's veins and tendons are ripped through his wrists, and he becomes a marionette. 
and he makes marionettes. Let's not forget they they're thematic deaths. They're they're tied to the characters. Oh yes, everyone's thematic, and they and they make them look like they're committing suicide. Yeah. So the, the adults won't believe it. And the nurse in this movie looks exactly like Doctor McCoy. Look at go look at a picture of this woman and tell me she doesn't look like Doctor McCoy from Star Trek. Yeah, DeForest Kelly. Interesting. DeForest Kelly's returned to the podcast. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Well, here's what I do. So the the kills in this one are very interesting, uh, and they they lead off with the Freddy Snake. Uh, I think was one of the main ones they did first when uh, you first find out that the girl can pull other people into her dream. Well, it doesn't count as a kill. Well, but you know what I mean. Like the, it's one of the the nightmares. The the first one is a fake out. Like, oh, are we out of the dream? Oh, yeah. no, we're not. Yeah, and you know, and then, and that sets the template because now every time you watch one of those, you're like, okay, it's, it's the dream within the dream. Mm-hmm. They're third level Inception. They're at the snow layer. But then, yeah, they have the Freddy worm, which yeah. I think was animatronic. And according to what I read, they had to paint it green because the original pink version looked exactly like a giant penis eating <laughs> Patricia Arquette. That would have been funnier, frankly. <laughs> and then what's the deal with the the ghost nun, right? Because she's a ghost. The ghost nun is his mom. Yeah. It's Freddy's mom. Okay. And this is the movie that that coins the phrase "bastard son of a hundred maniacs." The bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Yes. Which is just a lovely phrase. That should just be the tagline for the movie, not Dream Warrior. <laughs> bastard son of a hundred maniacs. That would be a great uh, a title for a movie. That would be one of those great ones you make in 1962 in. Uh, <laughs> Ectochrome. Like a Quartermass sequel. Yeah. The second death is the marionette, and there's actually a bit of stop motion in that. That's that's a lot of fun. It was well choreographed. I feel bad for the kid that gets run over by the armor-plated road warrior wheelchair. Oh, no. He's the wizard master. Yeah, I am the wizard. He, like, rolls the dream equivalent of the 20-sided dice to, I don't know. My dreams. I am the wizard master. I think that the guy in the wheelchair on Glee was based on this wizard master (laughs) character. They basically look the same and they're both played by actors who of course don't actually need a wheelchair also he makes the classic magic user mistake he's firing his his magic lightning bolt lightning bolt lightning bolt well he's firing his magic at the guy with the knives and then he moves close enough to the guy with the (laughs) knives the the guy with the melee weapon can kill the magic user which is just you know bad form we're still talking about a movie yeah Oh. Yeah, this is Nightmare on Elm Street 3, <laughs> The Dream Warriors. Clear this one up for me, because uh, I'm still not sure why or how this happens, but at some point, Freddy's skeleton pops up like it's a Sinbad movie and kills John Saxon. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense at all. It's like they've set all of these rules for how things work in this dreamscape, and then, oh, screw it, he needs to go do something about these people burying his remains, and then suddenly he can take corporeal form. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, and then it roars and, like, disappears. (laughs) Uh, And then they win anyway. No. It makes no sense. Uh, Can't clear that up for you. It's stupid. Okay. So while this is not your favorite, you would still call it probably the the most notable one of the franchise? You know, it might even be my favorite. It's just not the best. Okay. I can say I've never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You fuck off. Really? (laughs) Nope. Never seen a one. (laughs) Okay, there's only, there are, of all of them, there are only three worth your time. The first one, the third one, and the new Nightmare. Everything else is pretty much garbage. Right. And he's not going to see them, Brian, but he'll (laughs) pretend. Yeah, I'll I'll play along. No, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to read the plot on Wikipedia, and then just before I get to the end of it, I'm going to (laughs) jump on YouTube, and I'm going to, like, watch it just in case there's a twist. It holds up. All you need to know is it's got a really cool song by Dawkins. And that's pretty much it. 
They're the Dream Warriors. And that was the Stephen Hopkins directed one, right? No, that was the Stephen the Hopkins next one. A- ah, okay. No, no, Renny Harlan was the next one, and then Stephen Hopkins. Stephen Hopkins did the one where the girls turns into the co- or someone's lifting weights and they turn into a cockroach and then their arms snap in half from the weight. Yeah, I think. It's either four or five. I don't remember which one had the stupid cockroach thing, yeah. but that was actually a person who won a contest to be killed by Freddy. Yeah. I get the feeling for just from the way you're talking about it that whoever made those Saw movies watched these and said, okay, what people really want is the horrible death stuff, not the story. So let's let's come up with something where we get to really kill the fuck out of people and not have to like have too much lead in. Well, and that's the thing. By Nightmare 4, Freddy is pretty much the protagonist. And really, the whole movie is about, you know, what goofy uh, way are they going to thematically link the person's death to their quote-unquote character, and what's Freddy's punchline? Yeah. This movie has that, but it's done in a dark and scary enough way that it's still effective. It's the template, basically. Mm. So... For that, it's yeah. it's probably, of the ones we're talking about, it's the most successful threequel because it actually spawned many, many others. The reason that Seven is good is that Seven is extraordinarily meta. Nightmare on Elm Street 7 is about a character named Wes Craven, who is played by writer-director Wes Craven, oh. uh, who is making a, a new <laughs> movie with Heather Langenkamp, a character played by actress Heather Langenkamp. Oh. Um, and it's about how much he hates what... What they did with the movies in the first place. It's actually it sounds um, like Scream Part Zero. It well, it was the movie he did right before Scream. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's actually a really uh, a really clever take. I, I enjoyed yeah. it, and it was his revenge on all the people who fucked up his creation. Yeah, and unfortunately, Heather Langenkamp still can't act, so that was kind of a drawback. But so all the people who fucked up Wes Craven's uh, uh, creations, like shocker, oh, oh, the creation of 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 Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not yeah, talking yeah. like Shocker and Monkey Shines. I, I have a feeling, yeah, Wes Craven fucked up Wes Craven's creations most of the time. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I like, does that put in the first, uh, in the Nightmare series and in the 80s Twilight Zone? Other than that, I don't have a lot of time for Wes Craven. Yeah. yeah. No, or, no, the one part from Scream, turn around, Jamie. Turn around, Jamie. Turn around, ja- I love that. Turn around. Behind you. I'll turn behind you. I, I, my mind just, just, it expanded a little bit after seeing that moment. (laughs) Do you still dress like Freddy Krueger on Halloween, Brian? Just out of curiosity. Um, I still have a glove and a hat. Okay, do you have Um, a sweater? I don't have a red, I don't have a red and green sweater. My sweater is black and gray right now. Okay. Uh, one year after, after we got married, my wife did a Mrs. Krueger, uh, just because, you know family stuff (laughs) that is totally rick and morty that's good (laughs) that's awesome so would you say it was a successful part three yes absolutely okay it was easily the biggest one of the them so far and it sent the whole franchise into the stratosphere made robert england a star so yeah up to that point that was the highest grosser all time for the nightmare movies nightmare three is number four on the list. Sadly, <laughs> Nightmare 5 is the topper. Freddy versus Jason actually is the, the oh, top one. Yeah. yeah I mean, gross, the gross doesn't really tell you much, though, because it's a graduating level of marketing each time. I yeah. mean, each time it's basically resting on the laurels of the series. And that's why I was saying that the, the threequel basically is the make or break for a prospective franchise. Because anybody yeah. can drop a sequel, 
But when you do a threequel and people come out and then you go, okay, like the Fast and Furious, that thing is mm. gobsmackingly inexplicable to me as to why they've that got... That one didn't take off until the fifth one. And that's what's even more bizarre about the whole Enterprise. And they're not even slapping... I mean, they're changing the titles all around, like Fast and Furious, Fast Five... On that one, the part three doesn't even take place with any of the main characters. Yeah. They go to fucking Japan. It's the Tokyo Drifting. And I'm so mad they didn't name it Three Fast, Three Furious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I remember when, when Fast Five was coming out and somebody in my Twitter or my Facebook feed at the time had talked about, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about going to see Fast Five. Anybody want to come? And I'm like, no, I hear it's not as good as Fast Four. And then they came in, they're like, and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, if you don't get that joke, then you're going to love Fast Five. Have fun. Jesus. And then they named the next one Furious 6, which I love. (laughs) Exactly. Fast and Furiosa. That was Mad Max 7. (laughs) That should have been what they called the last one. Yeah. Not particularly fast and minorly peak. (laughs) (laughs) Which falls into, uh, just as a a sidebar anomaly for this, when when they name these things, my favorite still, and I almost chose this one, uh, but then Eric said he was going to do Rocky 3, and then I thought, well, we can't have two Stallones, so then I switched to Halloween 3, because it's also sort of in this vein, but uh, the third John Rambo movie... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you doing yours right now? I'm about to. Wait. Do you have something to add? Tick, 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 Yay! Yay! What do I win? Tell him what he's won, Bob. A swift <laughs> kick to the balls. <laughs> but Rambo 3 kills me because there's no Rambo 1. There's just First Blood. And then the sequel to First Blood is Rambo colon First Blood Part 2. And then they do Rambo 3. And then Second years. Blood. Yeah. And then years and years and years later, they do Rambo. John Rambo. Oh, is it? Rambo though, and then John Rambo? Though, interestingly, in Europe, it was remember. released as Rambo. Yeah. The first one was Rambo everywhere but here. Yeah, so that was goofy to me, because every time they do it, they change the title just slightly, yet it still somehow has brand recognition. Uh, but the other funny thing about Rambo 3 is it's set in the late 80s when the Soviets were actually withdrawing from Afghanistan after their long and costly war. And it's all about John Rambo going to Afghanistan to rescue Colonel Troutman. Uh, but the movie came out after the Soviets were all gone. But the whole movie is about him fighting Soviets in Afghanistan. The only thing with, with the worst naming convention has been the Xbox, which was the Xbox, then the Xbox 360, and then the Xbox One, and everybody had been calling the first one the Xbox One, and now they don't know what to call the Xbox, and now it's the Xbox One S, and followed by the Xbox One X, which isn't even... Ah. They took a page out of Stallone's playbook. So I hope they call the next one like the Xbox Five, just to be annoying. Yeah, yeah the, the Xbox Faster and Furiouser. The Y-Box. <laughs> the, the, the Y-Box. So, Rambo 3 is fun. And it was also the most expensive budgeted movie at that time. Was it? Yeah. The budget no. was like $64 million, which at the time was the most expensive one ever made. Uh, which is mind-boggling to think of that now. Uh, so, it didn't really make a lot of money. And the other tidbit I found about this, which blew my mind, is that the original director on that was going to be the guy that made Highlander, and he dropped out. We should point out, this isn't even the movie Chris was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But it just follows in. So, just a little bit of trivia for you. So, ha-ha. But then we get into the Halloween 3 season of The Witch, 
which is ostensibly the third in the Halloween series, but it's got nothing to do with Michael Myers at all. Mm-hmm. And it's underrated. It is underrated. I loved Halloween 3. Uh, it's really grisly and gruesome and dark. Yeah. I was not prepared yeah. for that when I watched it. I, I was not a fan, and just let me just say, in the 80s, I was not a fan of the serial killer crazy person movies, yeah. because who cares? But when you, you have mystical weird shit, it's actually scary, and <laughs> exactly. they tie that into this really well. Yeah. When the mask on your face might be the thing that kills you. Oh, the way they wipe out that one family in the test room is oh, yeah. fucking brilliant. They actually kill children in this, which is what yep. makes, like sets the stakes. Because then you get to the very end when uh, Dr. Chalice, played by Tom Atkins, is screaming on the phone, You need to turn it off! You need to turn it off! You need to turn it off! Stop it now! Turn it off! Turn it off! Stop it! 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 Like, and then they end. It's like, all those people yeah. are going to die. So there's real stakes. But it's a happy ending because most of them are kids. Yeah. But you get that in, that song, that Silver Shamrock song oh, through the entire thing, God. and it's just like an earworm. Happy, 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 happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll eat your brain. It's like riding It's a Small World at Disneyland, but being strapped into the chair like you're in Clockwork Orange. And having your child turn into a bunch of snakes and bugs. <laughs> exactly. So initially, it was supposed to be after they made Halloween, they said, hey, we don't want to do another slasher film. Let's do something interesting, and let's do this just like an anthology movie series based around Halloween. Right. That was John Carter's way of... Or Carpenter, John Carpenter... Yeah, John Carter of Mars. No, uh, yeah. John Carpenter's <laughs> way of like satisfying the the company and not having the property taken away from him, but he really didn't care. Yeah, but he's on this thing as a producer and a writer, and he does the music, and it's a really good soundtrack too. But it's you know it's a John Carpenter soundtrack, so it's all <laughs> doom ding doom doom deep doom doom doom. Tim sitting um, in his room with his Casio and <laughs> yeah, basically like a carton of Marlboros. Just this will do. Yeah. Oh, God, that reminds me. There's a video that I think you sent it out, Chris, was um, a clip from the Wonder Years where all of oh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of the narration in Kevin's head is replaced by 80s horror synth. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. Like the mother and the teacher are call, like, why did you do this, Kevin? Why? And then they cut to Fred Savage and he's just staring at them. And instead of the voiceover by Daniel Stern, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should start by asking you to explain what in God's name moved you to do what you did? <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Uh, so yeah, that, that would fit right in with this movie. So they were going to do this anthology thing, and the studio somehow said, yeah, sure. But they made them put the Halloween name on it for branding which kind of hurt it, I think. Because yeah. basically, they, people went and saw this movie thinking it was going to be Michael Myers, the same thing over and over, and it wasn't, and that turned a lot of people sour. I remember, like, we were, like, in elementary school when this thing came out, I think. And 83? 83, yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember being in the, in the cafeteria at elementary school and hearing everybody be all pissed off at how, how this movie wasn't good, and I'm, like, thinking... You people are watching this? I'm like in, you know, fifth, yeah. sixth grade. But yeah, I, I, I heard the director wanted to just call it Season of the Witch. Like if they had called it that, people wouldn't have had that reaction. Yeah, but you need the branding. Otherwise, no one's going to go see it, I don't think. This one's just, it's a little too weird. In that way, it's really not a sequel because it's, it's just 
marketing. It's just pulling in Halloween 3 onto a movie that's not really Halloween. It's like the second Die Hard wasn't really... That was based on a book that had nothing to do with Die Hard, but they needed a Die Hard, so they called it Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that's why I picked it, because it, it falls under that sort of, let's just scrap everything that came before, and let's just see what happens. I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get an anthology out of this. Well, if it, it tanked, and that's the only reason why. If it had made money... Uh, people would have flocked to the next one and the next one. You know what, though? You, if you, in all seriousness, if you look at the filmography of John Carpenter from this to uh, maybe They Live, you could look at everything he's done as that anthology because it is, mm. they're all creepy, weird, interesting yeah. movies. They're just not set around Halloween. And they're probably better done than they would have done if they'd made an anthology. Well, the thing Halloween. that gets me about this one, though, is just how batshit insane it is it doesn't on on many levels it doesn't make a lot of sense through the story because it's essentially about a crazy irish celtic warlock dude that wants to wait for the planets to align so that he can send out his masks from his mask company with microchips in them that will kill everybody and it's based on fear of computers yeah, it's basically based on shavings from a rock that they stole from Stonehenge, which they only mention like for 10 seconds in a cutaway shot of the TV news. And they don't really ever talk about it again until you see the monolith in the weird like 80s computer den uh, with all the monitors and things. And they don't really address it. So it's just and I'm, there's no reasoning behind it. I mean, Dan Hurley, no Hurley, uh, who would later play Grig in Last Starfighter, which is where I know him from, mm. uh, is is the crazy, murderous guy. And oh, no. he basically just he? thinks it's a big joke. There was a better role that I could recognize him from He was but when he was much older. He was the the chairman in RoboCop. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Dick, uh, you're fired! He is that guy. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. So, yeah. He gives this weird speech to Tom Atkins about how somehow this is a big joke and the joke is on the kids and then that's kind of where they leave it. So there's the, the motive is unclear and then you've got the whole other side plot with all of the replicant people that he's making and then the girl is turned into a robot and the guy thinks he's rescuing the girl and then she's in the car with them and it turns out she's the robot. She tries to kill him and then he whacks off her head with a tire iron. Yeah. Uh, so they break all of the, the conventions. I liked the one with the homeless. I think he was homeless. Uh, but the guy they they the two robot people put him on his knees one of them holds his shoulders the other one lifts his head out of his body straight up yeah well that's like the other one who kills him in the uh the hospital room and they just basically grab by the bridge of his nose and squeeze into his eyes and just rip off the front of his face yeah (laughs) it's like what and then the woman who puts on the mask by is playing with the microchip in her hotel room and then activates it and then all the like the bugs crawl out of her mouth and she's totally disfigured yeah that was pretty horrific Uh, i was not prepared for that so it's just this weird blending of like invasion of the body snatchers stepford yeah, they actually like sci-fi. put it in the same town. The town is the same yeah. name as the Invasion of the Body Snatchers town. Yeah. And yeah. they really, I think, finally realized what horror porn is all about. It's, you know, you, you or violence porn, rather. is the, We're not here for story. We're not here to go, oh, boy, that is something to think about. No, we're here to watch bodies be mutilated horribly. Yeah. 
So yeah. I have I have three bits of trivia about this movie. Um, one is that Joe Dante was originally supposed to direct it, but he ended up doing Gremlins. True, um, which probably worked out in his favor. Frankly, yeah, yeah and I guess this, I have four because the other the second is uh, there were actually three writers, but only one of them was willing to have his name on it. <laughs> and this is what's interesting is the original screenwriter was a guy named uh nigel like neal nigel neal who wrote the original quartermass movies in the 60s and carpenter is a huge huge fan of quartermass and so one of his pseudonyms on his movies is quartermass hmm. because of that so i thought that was kind of fun okay so my last two uh jamie lee curtis actually is in this movie both as footage on a television screen of the original halloween and also is the voice that announces the curfew over the loudspeakers is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. And then and finally, then- and I love this, um, there's a scene when, when, they, when they are in the place that's making the masks, they actually shot that in the factory that was making masks to sell in yes. the real world. So, so somebody so, out there might have a mask made on screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's entirely it's possible that if kids. you own one of those, it was in the movie. And you might as well, if you have it, you might as well claim that yeah. it is one. Eight more days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. So, <laughs> so lots of trivia. And then the, the last one, and this one is for Eric. Uh, the star of the movie, Tom Atkins, who plays the doctor. He was awesome. Was also in The Fog by John Carpenter, mm-hmm. also yep. starring Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, yeah. And also okay. uh, Escape from New York, starring <laughs> Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> so, I laughed when I uh, remembered that tidbit. So you're welcome. <laughs> I remember him in. I don't remember what the movie was. I just it was some some really low budget zombie horror movie. But he had the fucking greatest line. Um, These kids are like g- gonna go to prom, and he's he's you know trying to board up the house from zombies, and he, he tells them, "Well, I got some good news and some bad news. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? Well, they're zombies." <laughs> Good news, is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. I always think of him when when he comes up. It's always like, what? What's that fucking awful movie? Yeah, I need to see it again. Well, there you go. So yeah, so that's Halloween Three: Season the Witch. Uh, a very odd departure for a franchise that is otherwise consistently the same movie every single time, uh, and it almost didn't make it because of this movie. But you Which can't kill weird. the boogeyman, so he comes back. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why in Halloween, Halloween 4, they actually had to subtitle it The Return of Michael Myers so that people would know, no, please, this really please is. Please come yeah. this time. Please uh, come Halloween see our 5. movie. No, really. Yeah. We mean it this time. <laughs> I will also refer everyone to the How Did This Get Made podcast because they do a whole show on Halloween 3. Oh, they rip it to damn. shreds, but I tell you, it's better than you think, but... Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. pay money for it or anything. Well, this one has definitely gained stature in the cult realm. Uh, yeah. as, it's no as, they live. Yeah. It is no they live. Well, what is really? But this yeah. one is definitely has has been reevaluated as time has progressed. And it actually is, is not a bad movie at all. It just is unfortunate that they tried to saddle it in the Halloween canon because yeah. it just it, that's just like square peg, round hole kind of thing. Interesting failure, weird experiment. There you have it. So that's yeah. that's three quotes. I think we all learned a little something today. I learned we? a little something about myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I also don't like it when three quotes use the number three in place of an e uh, in oh, the title. Yeah, no, no. 
Stop that. I learned that fur is dead. <laughs> Does anyone want to take a last spin of the wheel before we depart? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well then. All right. This has been uh, our episode about threequels. Threequel is the magic number. Do the in- and and now do the do the outro. Wait, no, no, don't do the outro yet. Are, are we going to play uh, uh, another game of what do we want to do to Donald Trump? Torture works, okay, folks. Torture, don't you know? I have these guys. Torture doesn't work. Believe me, it works, okay. <laughs> okay, so what I want to do to Donald Trump is have him like giving some speech and then use magic and make his pants and underwear fall off. So you see this teeny tiny teeny little penis, and then he starts crying. But he doesn't pull his pants up. He just starts crying while everyone looks at his microphallus. Uh, because, you know what? Anyone who talks about his hands that much and, no, come on, they're big, they're big hands. You know what that means? Is basically covering for a microphallus. I don't believe that those are his kids by uh, intercourse. I think there was a test tube involved. Um, yeah, I want to I wanna shame him publicly. Okay, Brian, you go. Um, okay, so I have thought about this this time, because you kind of sprung this on us last time. I didn't really have any time to, to, to prepare. Yeah, we weren't prepared, Eric. Um, Thanks. So I'm thinking <laughs> we need to tie a little tiny lasso <laughs> out of paracord, and it needs to be roped around his left nut, and the other oh. end attached to Air Force One, which is then launched off a runway. Ah, so that he's hanging from the... Ah, that's interesting. Or just tear his nut off. I really don't care. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Well, I think I would like to lock him in a room without a phone or any access to Twitter uh, where there's a TV that is only tuned to the PBS Create channel and he can't ever shut it off. Huh. Okay, and this this week's winner is, again, me, with the humiliation of showing the world his tiny penis. Yes. It's always Eric who's going to win everything. Yes. Yes. Eric is judge, jury, and Donald Trump's executioner. (laughs) Eric is like the building at the beginning of Lethal Weapon 3. He will always be there, no matter what we try to do to stop it. (laughs) Well, all right. There you have it. Episode 15, threequel, is the magic number. We uh, laughed. We cried. It was a part of us. We learned something new today. Or we didn't learn anything at all. It's hard to tell sometimes with this podcast. Uh, Mostly, we just hope that you had fun. And we'll join us again for episode 16 next week. Uh, Also, don't forget to let us know you're out there. Email us. MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. We're at MagHuge on the Twitter. Uh, hashtag MagHuge. Uh, we're on Facebook at MagnificentlyHuge. Uh, we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, give us your ratings. Let us know you're enjoying things. Uh, give us your suggestions, your feedback, your critiques, uh, insults, invective, whatever. We just would love to hear from you. So until next time, enjoy your day. Listener. You don't have to guess. You're so posse, consistent three, and that's the magic number.